Hello, and welcome to another episode of Breadcrumbs. Today, we're going to be talking about every single time I messed up my screenshots. More importantly, we're going to be speaking to the person that can fix that. Today, I am talking to Ritu Gill, also known as OSINT Techniques. Ritu, how's it going? Hey, Tom. Thanks for having me on the podcast today. Nice. So I am excited. One, I just enjoy all of your content online. Um, you put out some really thoughtful blog posts. Um, anything you have to say about OSINT, I typically pay attention. So just in general, I'm excited to have you on. But maybe more specifically, um, you've created a tool that I think solves a really, really important use case for a lot of us in the OSINT field, whether it's competing in a trace lab CTF, maybe you do CTI at your day job, maybe you work in law enforcement, but you've created this really interesting tool that we could probably start our conversation off with and then branch out into different use cases and just screenshot philosophies and things like that. How's that sound? That sounds great, of course. Cool. Well, tell me about Forensic OSINT. For sure. So Forensic OSINT um, is a, an add-on. Uh, it's a Chrome extension that helps you make screen captures of online content. So as an OSINT investigator, this would be really useful because it will make screen captures. It will make screen captures at that standard because it includes hash values. It also includes other important information such as date, timestamp, the URL you're capturing. Um, you have lots of ability to customize your reports as well. So if you work for a certain company and you want to have a certain banner on your reports, you can do that as well. Nice. And Maybe to give the listeners a bit of context, I'll talk through my methodology, which no one should replicate, and then we can talk through <laughs> how your tool does that better. Any, any of us that have done any bit of OSINT work probably realize the importance of screenshots. When you're investigating like online materials, they could be changing. You know, uh, wet websites come up and down, social media posts get deleted. Internet is constantly changing. So most of us get the importance of, hey, screenshot, cool. Now I've got some visual evidence to go along with my report. The mistake I make is I just screenshot, screenshot, screenshot. Two hours later, you know, I've got a folder or a desktop full of screenshots that are just named with timestamps with no context whatsoever. And that is not a good place to be in when it comes time to write your report, especially if your investigation is taking you like all over the internet. Um, you're now playing the memory game and trying to slot those screenshots into, you know, what you think you remember seeing. Uh, that's a bad place to be. You don't do that ever. Please learn from my mistakes. Um, but your tool solves for that and makes makes that a lot easier to avoid. Do you want to talk through maybe just like the mechanics of how the extension works? Yeah, of course. So we've all been there, Tom. So I think I can experience that, uh, you know, a decade ago where going through things and, you know, it's you have screenshots, but they don't have meaning because they're just everywhere. But we want to keep organized. And so one of the things that Forensic OSINT does is it allows you to make screen captures 
So you can create a case and say, say I was like, oh, this is a robbery file or something. And there's somebody that's selling something on Marketplace. Um, call it what you want, case number, and all your screen captures made with the browser extension can be put into um, that case because we have a built-in case management system in Forensic OSINT. So now as you're you know, going, going on the internet and making those screenshots, it will be put into a folder where you can go back and reference. Um, we try to make that organization really easy for the, the end user um, because we've experienced it as well, where it's like, okay, yeah, you know, just the, just the world of open source intelligence, um, it's really easy for things to get disorganized um, or you have so many screenshots that um, when you have to go back to it, it's not in the order you need. It doesn't have, you know, the date and the timestamp. Maybe you need to reference the time you took the screen capture, any of that. But what our tool does is it will help because that built-in case management system is, um, I think that's a huge asset for OSINT investigators. There's a lot of added value. Um, like in a nutshell, yes, Forensic OSINT is a screen capturing tool. But I always tell people there's a lot of added value because there's a lot of other features built into the app. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> one of the most like profound things anyone has ever told me when it comes to re like reporting, whether it's OSINT, pen testing, whatever. Um, but uh, BB King from Black Hills once once told me, Tom, you have to report as you go. So again, you like, you know, if you're right. taking a screenshot, okay, screenshot, I'll put that in my report and annotate what I think it means. And then I'll come back to it later. That's cool. And that's 100% right. But it's also that then that becomes cumbersome. Like that could like break the flow of your investigation. If you're bouncing back and forth between Chrome and word or whatever. Um, one of the things I really like about forensic OSINT is you can add notes like in like with with your screenshots so you know you you take the screenshot and then you can add a note to it within forensic osint so you, it it's a bit better about like keeping you in that browser flow state so with forensic osint what you can do is when you make screenshots you can add, add notes to those screen captures so for easy reference you can go back um and you don't lose the flow of your research either um, because it's that quick reference point of like, okay, what meaning does this have? Um, so little features like that, and we've put into the app to make it like seamless as possible for an innocent investigator. Yeah. And the other interesting thing, um, that the extension does, and mind you, I've only played with the free version, but, um, I like how you refer to it as a screen capture tool. Um, whereas I, I've been calling it a screenshot tool. And I think that's an important difference to, to expand on because a screenshot, you know, if you're on Mac OS command shift four, and you're taking a picture of a thing, but screen capturing is so much more than that. So like your extension, not, not only does it take a screenshot, but it's actually capturing the entire web page. So let, let, let's say you had to scroll down a bit to get the entire page. It's capturing that entire page across multiple shots. It's also downloading all of the images embedded. Um, and I thought that was really, really cool. Do you want to talk through like the use case there? Like, was that just born of 
your own experience like oh this sucks taking four screenshots i wish i could just do it all at once yeah what you can do is so there is the free version like you mentioned with the professional version you have the ability to um change settings where you can include like 15 screens or 100 or 200 um so what we found again like again from our experience working on files um if you're trying to capture like a instagram page and you want you're like okay well this is going to be at least 200 screens you can adjust that in your settings um but again we we want the tool to be able to scroll and capture as it goes and that, that's what it does when i'm just using instagram as an example um but no different if you're on another web page it'll do the same thing where again if you've set it to 200 screens or whatever number you put in there you can go in and you'll see that it will not only capture the screen uh, or the the images but also the the actual entire web page and you'll see it scrolling as it's collecting that information yeah and i just thought that was like really cool um because you know again back to my terrible example of a folder full of screenshots i'm like why are these all the same screenshots oh no it's just me scrolling down you know half a screen and then taking a new one um so just ton of utility there yeah no definitely like what you'll see when you do uh you know, a demo run or a test run of the app is it will, you'll know where you left off. You'll, you'll, you'll see it really clearly in the whole uh, capture of like where you started and then, you know, um, where it continues. So it's always good to start smaller if you're just trying it out, just to understand how the app works um, and then go and try it out and try different websites and see how it works for you. But just to get the idea try something simple. I mean, go to forensicosint.com, do a screen capture and see what the output is. And then you can see how it works, what it's going to look like, what the idea behind it is, and then apply it to your own research and uh, websites that you would look at. So the other part of the tool, like I wanted to talk through, and it was one that like, doesn't really apply to my daily work, um, but it seems incredibly valuable was it's possible to take, I'm going to call it forensically sound captures. Um, it involves some hash values. I was hoping you could, you could expand on that because it, it didn't really seem like it applied to me, but it also seemed fascinating. Right. So we call it forensic grade software because I refer to it like that because in case law in British Columbia, it's been stated that OSINT investigators need to do a better job and they need to use forensic grade software. The reason why it's forensic uh, level is because it includes things like metadata. So things like your date and timestamp on when you made those captures, but it also includes a hash value to show the courts, if you're somebody who would go to court, um, that you haven't altered the document. So this is really important for like your law enforcement, people that do go to court, but at the same time, even if you're not someone who goes to court, often you need to know when and what time you made a capture. You might need to quickly reference, okay, it was that day, it was that time. Um, that is also included within our captures. That's what makes it, uh, it makes it like an authentic document. So like what happens with court is 
there's a certain level, there's a threshold you need to pass. And that's why we have it at that level, um, because that highest standard is important. Of course, if you're somebody who's like, oh, I don't need that part, you might still need a screen capturing tool. And it does provide you with that date and timestamp, which um, I think still provides value. I agree. I was hoping we could branch off into maybe more of like the just the utility and philosophy of screenshots in general, because you know not all screenshots are created equal. Um, I almost look at it like the field of like traditional photography. You know, if you're a photographer taking a picture, you know you you're trying to convey a certain message or a feeling or you know, capture a moment. But there are certain things you have to do to make sure that your audience sees what you're intending them to see. So a great example. If I just sent you a screenshot of someone's Instagram page and go, look, I found it. You're going to go, what the fuck, Tom? Like, found what? <laughs> like, it's very <laughs> obvious to me because I took the screenshot, obviously. Um, so, it, yeah. like, you know, so, like, I'd love to hear you know, either ex experiences, your take. Like, how do you take good screenshots or how do you, like, annotate, you know, screenshots, just screenshots in general? Yeah, sc screenshots in, in general. Like, first thing I think of, with your example is context, right? Providing context uh, to a screenshot, uh, what it means, right? What's the meaning behind it? Um, but with screenshots in general, like the things to think about is making sure that you have, you know, if, if you're taking a screenshot of a Facebook post, are the comments expanded? That's something that comes to mind when it comes to OSINT, at least. Um, those are things that, you know, some OSINT people and, you know, myself included over the years may not have thought of initially where you're like, okay, but then when this has come up in an investigation, it's like, okay, there's like missed information there. Um, screenshots, I mean, there, there's so many different ways, right? Because yes, there there are other tools out there that will do it. Um, the, main, the main thing I think of is making sure that you have uh, like a complete image of what's being shown on that page. Yeah, and I would say from my personal experience, um, don't be afraid to explain your screenshots. You know, if you're packaging all this up into a report, you're not going to be there to read it to the, to, to the person. Like, you're probably not, unless you're presenting this on PowerPoint to your audience, you know, err on the side of caution. Like, don't be afraid to annotate your screenshots like circle the important thing or in your notes or your, or your report like explain exactly what's important about this screenshot um so like don't you know don't expect your picture to just stand on its own because the audience isn't going to have the same context you had in that moment and i think that's also why notes to yourself are so important because if you're not writing that report for two more days like you almost have to recreate that state of mind when you took the screenshot. Otherwise it's like, okay, this, I know this is important, but what did I see here two days ago? Yeah. Yeah. And there's times where I'm, I'm conducting some research and I'm using the app and I see something that sticks out as like a red flag. But for me, I added notes to say, you know, this is like include this in the summary or 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 I'll just mark it with a note that says, hey, make sure you highlight this post or this photo. And so for me, when I go back at the end of it, because it might take me days to do this, 
I'm like, okay, I won't miss this, this post, this post, and this post. And I have that quick reference point of what it means, maybe um, some keywords you want to throw in there. Um, but I, you're so right, Tom, because it's like you're telling a story. So you never want to, you know, assume someone's just going to see what you see when you, you give them a screenshot, you know, make sure it has the beginning, middle and end, right. Uh, to explain, because it's hard to get into somebody's mind, right. Of how they are thinking of something, but think of it, somebody doesn't know anything about it. And you're explaining the story of what this is. I guess like, I will just, just tell like maybe just a quick story that comes to the top of my head. Um, like I can't overstate how important screenshots are. Like I've been in investigations where I had a screenshot capturing like the proverbial smoking gun and I could not find that post ever again. Obviously I took the screenshot from somewhere, but like whether the post got deleted, whether I just couldn't recreate that trail anymore and that screenshot saved my ass. <laughs> like, um, like, so I just can't overstate like how important, you know, just documenting as you, as you go is, um, also like go back through your screenshots and it might sound silly, but like, maybe you'll see something you missed, you know, previously it's like, Oh wow. I didn't even notice that this person commented on this post and they're actually tied to this investigation in some other way. So like, don't be afraid to approach it just fresh. Right. I 100% agree because even though you make screenshots, I always tell people and I do it myself where I go back and I go through everything to make sure, you know, at the end of the day, we as the analyst or investigator, we need to verify, we need to make sure everything we've done shows up the way we want it to. Right. There are at the end of the day, you need the human to still do the work, <laughs> right? You can rely on a tool, but there's a there is still that a huge value of the analyst sitting behind and giving things meaning, um, you know, looking out for things like you're saying, is there anything that was missed that maybe could have been included or highlighted in a report? Um, any of that is still really relevant in my eyes. Well, cool. Um, I found in my personal life that so many of the tools I've built, uh, whether it was a web scraper, some piece of automation, was almost always built to make my own life easier because deep down I'm a very selfish person. Um, and then lo and behold, someone else found you sent it. So now it's on GitHub. Um, I'd be really curious to hear like what even made you want to create a tool like this? Like, was there a moment or was it just over the course of your career, you're like, oh, this sucks. I wish this was better. Yeah, like a lot of, and you're 100% right that when you see there's a need in the OSINT community or as you're working investigations, you're like, this is what's not working right now. And then you have an option or you have a solution uh, to fill that gap. That's where forensic OSINT comes in. Because yes, there are tools out there. and Every tool has its place. There's room for everyone. That's how I see it. Um, that said, there's certain things as I'm doing my day-to-day, -day, uh, you know, research, and I would like a tool to work the way I want it to. Well, 
right now they're currently previously sorry to forensic OSINT that it wasn't there it wasn't doing what I wanted it to do and that's why forensic OSINT is unique it has its own kind of niche it works a certain way it also gives a user uh, to take back control of what they capture and when they capture it um, so you as an investigator you as the analyst um, have control of what you're going to capture and when you're going to capture it yeah, and something else I might like challenge the commu the community or the uh, listeners on like you don't have to have a quote technical background to like create a really amazing tool and what I mean by that is there are a ton of incredibly talented developers out there that aren't investigators. There are a ton of incredibly talented investigators that aren't developers. And if like we as the end users can clearly articulate like the problem we're trying to solve, how we could solve it better, there's probably a dev out there that can help us. <laughs> but um, I think it's it's up to us to not just like complain, like, oh man, this sucks, or I, I wish I wish this was better. Well, let's talk about how. Um, because like so much of like OSINT tool creation is being able to like clearly articulate the problem you're trying to solve, like what's not working. Like if, if you can just bullet point out even the steps you're trying to automate, someone on the internet can probably do it for you. <laughs> but if if all we sit around and do is just talk about how things aren't working, well, then they're never gonna work better. Yeah, you're right, you're right, Tom. And we really encourage people to reach out to us um, with, if there's something that isn't working or if, um, they need to make their OSINT process a lot smoother. And it's something that we can develop into the app. We will, we've already added so many features that, you know, just users have suggested, or, you know, from the start, that's kind of how we're evolving, um, which has been awesome, uh, because we've had a lot of positive feedback, but we're very open to hearing what the community has to say, how will it help them? And if we see there's enough value and it makes sense for the, the direction we're going, it's something we would want to incorporate into the app. We'll, we'll do our best to do that. How do you balance like, I guess like that feedback versus like your own feelings? Because like when you, when you're, you're the person or like you're part of a very small team working on this tool, like it hurts. It, when someone's either in in your in your GitHub issues, they're on the internet saying, "Oh, this doesn't work." It's like, well, hold on, <laughs> like that's that stings. <laughs> like, how do how yeah. do you as <laughs> like as someone that I'm I'm assuming is pretty invested, you know, in this product, like how do you balance that? Or or you're you t t maybe you take it as poorly as I do, and you just <laughs> oh, Tom on the internet's talking shit again. <laughs> Yeah, no, I hear you. I think it's a, it's a balance. And I really try not to take things personally when it comes to this. Um, like we have a goal of providing a tool, a software that's going to help people. And so the way I see it is, um, you know, being human still, you know, I have feelings, but, uh, you know, I'm open to what people have to say and then being able to fix that on our end if there's something that isn't working the way it should you know so i'm that's what i'm trying to do just have an open mind with it more than anything um and really like 
it's not like I'm trying to have this tool or we are trying to build this tool to be just for customers. It's also for ourselves. <laughs> so for me, it's like, it's, you know, I'm invested for that reason as well for myself and for you. Um, so making it the best possible tool uh, is kind of at the forefront for us. Awesome. So it sounds like you're handling it better than I would, which is why I'm not a software, like why I, I'm not a software developer. That's why I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm a podcast host and I <laughs> try not to pay attention to the reviews. Um, uh, um, any, uh, I guess any like road mapping or anything like, you know, coming down like the, you know, the forensic OSINT pipeline that we, we could like watch out for. Like it's a, it's a really cool thing as is, um, but anything cool you have in the works? Yeah, like, I mean, we're, we're continuing to evolve. So, you know, as of last week, we had new features being built in to the app. Um, so it's just something I would say we're on LinkedIn to follow us, uh, Forensic OSINT. Um, that's where you'll see new features being released or, you know, next updates. Um, we also have a newsletter that people can go sign up to, which every Friday we release. And that will highlight if there's a new feature maybe or anything, but it's really for the OSINT community. Um, just to give them kind of a quick highlight of what went down this week. Um, it's, you know, it's meant to be like kind of a, a quick uh, read of what's going on and some of my thoughts around what's going on as well. Um, but yeah, if, if you want to follow uh, forensic OSINT, that's where on LinkedIn, that's where you're going to find any of the new, like released kind of features or next updates. Cool. Looking forward to it. Um, I'm going to kind of shift gears on us, uh, cause there's another topic, um, that I really respect your opinion on. And I love talking about, um, OPSEC. Uh, I, I, I once had someone tell me by the time you realize you need more of it, it's too fucking late. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that like, sounds accurate. <laughs> yes. And like, I will talk about this with anybody that wants to talk about it because like in all seriousness, like once you mess up, it's too late. Like there is no undo. There is no, Oh, I'll be better next time. Like, no, you're burned. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so love to hear your take on like, online investigations, OPSEC, keeping yourself safe, keeping the investigation safe. Um, really just the floor is yours to, to talk through that. And then I might have some questions along the way. Sounds good. Yeah. So having OPSEC, I mean, we all have something we want to protect, right? Especially as an investigator, if you're doing online investigations, the reason you want to have good OPSEC is because you want to protect yourself as an investigator but you also wanna protect the integrity of an investigation. So this is why you'll see in the OSINT community all the talk about sock puppets, which are research accounts, which are fictional accounts, right? Don't use your own research, uh, don't use your own personal social media to conduct investigations. Um, that's crossing that line where you're like, okay, you're now making connections with the wrong people. Um, you know, whether you're coming up in suggested friends, um, you just don't want to do that because if you're someone who works for, if, you, if you're somebody who goes to court, uh, you don't want to have to disclose your devices and your personal social media because that's what you were using, um, you know, for a file. That's why you want to keep a separation. 
Um, but also why would you want to let the person you're investigating know that, Hey, it's Ritu Gill behind this research. Like that's a bad idea because if they Google Ritu Gill, they're going to find out very quickly what I do <laughs> and I don't want to become a target now. <laughs> right. Um, so this is, a another reason to have good OPSEC. Yeah. And the, whenever I'm explaining it in like in a workshop or just in a conversation, I like to drive home the point that everything is being logged and those logs are forever. So in the context of Facebook, you know, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok, that might not matter because you're not quote hiding from Facebook. You're just trying to obfuscate your identity from the users of those, those platforms. But if you're on shady criminal forums, maybe that's where your investigation is taking you. Like they've got logs, they've got sysadmins, they can see IP addresses, they can see <laughs> DM right. history. Um, those things are forever. And you really need to understand that as an investigator, like any thoughts there, like best practices, like tools you should be using, like whether it's VPNs, VMs, I'd love to hear your, your, your take on like just a basic OPSEC checklist. Yeah, like some of the basics when it comes to OPSEC, I would say VPN, right? So you can protect your IP address. Important also to use things like VMs. So if you're like doing, the first thing I think is, it depends on your setup, of course, and the type of work you do. Um, if you're doing dark web investigations, I highly recommend using a VM, a virtual machine, to sandbox what you're working on. So, you know, you, you end up clicking on something on the dark web, you don't compromise your expensive computer. Um, you know, uh, you don't need to worry about that. Um, have a research account. That's another uh, tip. You know, go go create that. Um, people have challenges with that now, and I understand that. That said, for me, typically what they always want is that phone verification, but that's where a burner phone, having a SIM card comes in handy. Um, so those are a few things you could do. Um, also in general, if you're an investigator, maybe Google yourself and see how much information is out there about you. Um, obviously that's kind of funny me saying that because if you Google my name, there's a lot that said, uh, everything online about me is on there on purpose. It's meant to be out there. Um, there's nothing on the internet that I don't want posted, um, you know, because of my consulting business and what I do, but you as an investigator should clean up your digital footprint just to see like, Hey, you don't want too much information posted about you out there or, uh, you know, just open for anybody to see. I think that an important part of your OPSEC plan needs to be understanding that if you're investigating somebody, eventually someone's going to investigate you. Okay. Now what? So flip that, like say, okay, if I was investigating me, what would I find? Um, do you have any like strategies around like checking your own OPSEC or, you know, trying to clean up your online footprint? Yeah. I mean, there's times where you can search yourself and you can actually actively remove information from certain sites. You can request that information to be removed. Um, so I do suggest that. That said, depending on what country you live in, privacy laws are very different versus like US and Canada. Um, a lot of my information here, like you can't go into a database and be like, hey, where does Ritu Gill live? Whereas in other places, you can do that. 
which is kind of scary <laughs> to me. Um, one thing I, I always tell people is when you post things, sometimes they, they can stay on the internet. People can take screenshots. But I always post, even if you have social media, personal social media, post with the thought of this could be compromised. This could be released to anybody. And if it was, is it a big deal? Like, as it is it giving away where you live, like address, like, you know, are you posting in front of your front door, which people do? <laughs> um, you know, are you posting photos of your passport? People do that too, all the time. Um, that kind of stuff. So for me, like, if I'm going to post anything online, I also ask myself, I'm like, you know what, even if this was public, does it matter? You know, am I like afraid that, oh my God, if this went out, this is a big deal. Um, and if it is a big deal, then don't post it. That's my kind of mindset. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I know people don't want to live under a rock. I totally get that. Um, you know, uh, we have friends, we have family, um, using privacy settings on social media is important. Are they always, uh, every platform secure? No not even with privacy settings. Some some platforms are not secure. So it's something to keep in mind. Um, limiting some of the information that is very public, if you can, I would suggest that uh, um, by just running your, you're running your name and then actively looking for the links for uh, removing that content. Yeah, and if anyone listening to this, if it sounds like, cumbersome or annoying well security is comforting not comfortable so sorry um but the other thing i would maybe challenge people on is that it seems normal today to post everything whether you're on x or you're on linkedin or instagram or facebook like we live in this culture of you're, you're supposed to share, you're supposed to be out there. Like, that's cool. It's cool to get likes and comments down below, but that's new. <laughs> We've only been living that way for like maybe 10 or 15, like 10 years tops, maybe 15. Um, that's new human beings before like 2005 were actually very private people. It was, it was weird to think that like, you know, we, we would be sharing all this information with the world willingly. Um, so like, when we're talking through OPSEC and just being safe online, like like question, like the, the state of mind that like puts you in that position of always posting. So that's my philosophical rant for the, for the podcast. I get one per podcast. So one of the things I like to ask almost any, any of our, of our guests, but especially someone with like your experience, with your background, um, when we talk about OSINT or OSINT tools, it's easy for people to think that this is just this thing that happens online. And in order to do an OSINT investigation, you have to be like an online person or a tech person. But I push back on that pretty hard that forget the OSINT part, it's an investigation. And there are fundamentals of invest, like fundamental investigative techniques that are like foundational it's the place you're investigating that changes um so like okay screenshots are a thing that happen on computers you know you're probably in your web browser but the methodology there of capturing evidence of 
having something to refer back to was something you would do in an investigation 200 years ago. Um, I, I'm curious to hear like your take on like investigative fundamentals, you know, and like how that applies to the digital world. Yeah, the first thing I think of when you ask that question is if you're in the digital world, online world, um, knowing what you're looking for. So knowing what your objective is, is your one, like number one. I think that's really important because without having that objective or yeah, objective really is like, where are you going to go? Right. Um, where are you going to look? Um, often people in the OSINT world talk about the rabbit hole, right? You can end up spending hours going down a rabbit hole. Um, sometimes, derailing from the objective so again having an objective is the starting point and like that's the first thing i i think of when you ask that question um is investigators analysts whoever's in that online world make sure you know what you're looking for first like it's pretty much asking yourself what are you trying to answer what's the intelligence question here um, you know, cause it could, it, it can vary from anything. It could be a connection, trying to look for a connection between two people, two entities, two companies. Uh, it could also be like, Hey, this person's wanted. Are they in the U S are they in Washington state? Are they in Vancouver, BC? Um, and sometimes social media can tell you one or the other. Um, and you might be able to answer it by looking at, um, their online presence. That's just a quick example. I, th I think that if people have just an understanding of investigations in general, it should be a pretty easy pivot over to the digital space. Um, but I, I like that you, you hit on having a clear objective, giving yourself some guardrails so you don't wind up, you know, somewhere on Facebook six hours from now, not really sure why you're even there to begin with. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You're like, why am I looking at, at this Instagram now? Um, yeah. and, and equally important is when we're doing online investigations is so the verification part of it, especially in this day and age of disinformation and misinformation. Um, there's a lot of fake stuff out there. So verifying and validating what you found as well. Um, and if you are somebody who works for an agency where you have access to closed databases, so the opposite of OSINT. Uh, sometimes using those hand in hand will help you verify some of the information out there. We'll read to my screenshot folder. Thanks you. I thank you. I've had a fantastic time with this conversation. I'm looking forward to our next one. Um, if people want to find you on the internet, you, well, you know what? I always do this and I, I always think maybe I'm just creating lazy investigators. Like if I give you the information, like where's the OSINT in that? But if, if people <laughs> want to find you online or find out more about forensic OSINT, where can they do that? Well, if they want to find out about forensic OSINT, forensicosint.com, and that will take you to all the details you need to know about that. You can also follow forensic OSINT on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, Ritu Gill. Um, OSINT techniques on Twitter. So those are a few places that you can find me online. Awesome. So please ch check out the tool, follow Ritu. I get a lot of value out of it. I love the newsletter that drops every Friday. Looking forward to seeing you on the next one. Thanks so much for having me on the show today, Tom.
it's been awesome. This has been another episode of Breadcrumbs. If you'd like to learn more, you can find us online at tracelabs.org, on Twitter, at tracelabs. But if you really want to find us, just follow the breadcrumbs. Breadcrumbs.